0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. So, you want to start a business, that's easy to do in your mind. But in reality, you're going to have to find ways to get the resources that you need to start said business. Now, this is where people run into problems because startups, a new business, a franchise, any of it, it requires capital, which often means you need to go out on the fundraising trail find investors find angels that comes in a lot of different forms and there's a lot of different ways to do it including some really fun and interesting ways that have popped up over the last few years and that's what we're going to talk about but we're also going to be we're going to be graced with the presence of a representative from silicon valley bank who quite honestly gets to see a whole lot of fundraising activity going on and gets to talk to a lot of people about all of the ups and downs of fundraising. And it is a full time job. Speaking of having a job for the next 40 minutes or so, Ryan Larson, vice president at Silicon Valley Bank and SVB Financial Group will be joining me to do some work trying to help fundraising not be so much work for you.
1: Ryan, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. And caveat, fundraising will always be work for you. <laughs> it, it's hard work. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can shed well, some
0: light on it. No doubt there. I mean, episode two out of what is nearly 600 at this point on Startup Hustle. Episode two is titled Getting Funded Sucks. And that we, we literally like after doing our intro episode, Matt Watson and I said, OK, where can we be the where, where can we provide the most reality and information and value and we say oh yeah we need to tell everyone that getting funded sucks because it does um it really doesn't matter who you are and how much experience you have like it's easier for some than it is for others and i and i even the most experienced founders despise the process uh because there's well it's it's humbling it's a lot of work and that's the main thing that's what i don't like about it is it dominates like it's a full-time job it's everything you need to do. Now, before we get in to all the whys, the hows, the what's, and who knows what else, quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. SVB has been supporting innovative founders, companies, and investors with targeted financial services and expertise for over 35 years. SVB.com. If you can't remember that, there's a link in the show notes because this is a good place to park that money once we give you some advice on how to find it. So Ryan, when you think about investment, I think in your world, that's probably more venture related, but um, like what's the first thing that kind of pops into your head when you think about fundraising?
1: I think fundraising is a paralyzing term because it can lead you in so many different directions. And so when I think about fundraising, I think about what's the mission and, you know, if you're a business, what are you trying to do with these funds? Because there's going to be a different vehicle um, that you might be using uh, throughout, throughout the course of, of what you're trying to achieve. So um, you mentioned calling it a process previously, and it's just like a process. Um, you know, this is a sales campaign that you're kicking off and you're trying to bring in the correct parties, sell your idea to. Uh, and get their capital to then build your business. And so, you know, how much money are you going to need? What kind of investor do you want to be engaged in? Um, and really, what do you expect to do with the funds are all going to be things that you want to answer just to kick off kind of where to start. And so getting a good idea of that game plan up front is going to save you um, a lot of what we'll call learning experiences of potentially barking up the wrong trees.
0: You use the term paralyzing, and I, I think, the, you know, the moment you said that, I was like, oh, perfect, perfect phrasing, because it is paralyzing. And I, we say paralyzing. Anytime you have so it, it becomes a little overwhelming. And the process of of fundraising or seeking investors um it it really is like well where do i start who do i start with what do i need how do i do it and you know the main and the, you follow that up with saying uh well you got to know what you're going to use the money for and be able to define that i'll tell you right now if, if there's if you end listening to this episode in the next minute i'll i'll, I'll tell you one thing if you can't define what you want to use the money for or why you need it no one's going to give you any of it So that's a pretty fundamental thing right there. Look, we're going to start all, we're going to start, like, I I like to say be brilliant at the basics. So we're going to start with, we're going to start this episode of fundraising advice with Silicon Valley Bank and from Silicon Valley Bank, the actual form of fundraising that doesn't involve fundraising at all. How about bootstrapping? This is like, like, before we talk about bringing money in, so many businesses and so many people and founders,
1: they bootstrap. So, Ryan, when you think about bootstrapping, what comes to mind? Um, you know, bootstrapping is an excellent way to kind of uh, spontaneously finance your business. So um we'll hypothetically say you were on the right side of the GameStop Endeavor and you've got a little bit of cash and that's what kicks off your business um you have a product that you're able to actually turn a profit on from the onset and you're just going to take basically the excess funds um so your EBITDA or you know your your cash flow and reinvest that in the business and effectively how much money you can make is going to dictate how much money you can put back in and ultimately be how fast you can grow your business and so what you're using there is proceeds from sales um, and and that's kind of your your defined input for future growth going forward uh, and, and it's a fantastic way to grow businesses it's very safe and I think the key to bootstrapping um, for you founders out there is uh, you're going to maintain control of your operations so you don't have to give up any ownership in this process uh, and and basically uh, the, the buck stops with you you're the boss a hundred percent I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna take that down to an even lower ground level and say that i define bootstrapping as using the available resources you already have whether that be personally or at your business so mm-hmm. um and that could, i mean i see bootstrapping occur in a number of different ways sometimes it's a credit card i mean mm-hmm. i literally started in in my book million dollar bedroom i tell the the i, I call that book an educational narrative because i tell you the story about how I started a business in the extra bedroom of my home. I had no money. I had no experience. I had a credit card with an $8,000 limit. And literally that business and starting it, uh, it turned in, it's, it. has connections and roots and DNA in everything I do now. Everything from full-scale's operation in the Philippines. I've hired my first employees in the Philippines for that reason. I funded that business in its next quote funding round mm-hmm. using my poker buddies' credit cards. That was and, and, and that was legitimately how that business operated and was financed for its first 18 months. And that and you know that if you want you can get the book it's I, I've made it $1.99 on Amazon because that's as cheap as they'll let me sell it on Kindle. but you know check it out. but it's it's a boots it's a bootstrapping dream when it comes to that because that's just about being creative and using what you have at hand. And, and this doesn't this businesses bootstrap new ideas by using excess capacity and a number of different things. like and it's often personal funds. Now, there is one thing, I am going to challenge one of your statements because I don't think I think the risk is high in bootstrapping. It's not necessarily a low risk situation. Um, and I don't think you meant it in that, in that particular uh, uh, way but a lot of people go to bootstrap a business in the business never, you you never hear about these businesses because they never get off the ground but you know if you're willing to take that risk i mean and i always am i've bootstrapped everything i mean everything and um and that became easier as i had found success it's easy to bootstrap something when you've got money i mean that's just simple uh, and, and that might and some people might challenge me on my definition of bootstrapping because I don't know, I just to me, it's using what's available at hand. Now, if that isn't enough or you don't feel comfortable doing that, another form is angel investors. So um, would you like to lead any what, what statements do you have? Like when you think of an angel investor, what comes to mind?
1: Um, you know, an angel investor is somebody who's looking to deploy capital into a business idea that they have faith that will grow and ultimately bring them a return. Um, I think, you know, I don't want to jump the gun necessarily, but I think when I, I'm looking at an angel investor versus an institutional investor, an angel investor is somebody who is not necessarily bound by um, a specific uh, genre or um, you know, investment category. So there's going to be a little less defined parameters for them to invest in. Um, And and I think that's why you think of an angel as, you know, they're very, very sophisticated angels, but um, it's, it's oftentimes not professional money going in.
0: So, and we want to stay on brand for the title of the episode. Do you, uh, and, and Hey, look, I, for any of you listening, the, op- these are our opinions. Like it, it says advice in the title, but you know, we're not, we're not licensed dealer brokers of these services. Like we're speaking from experience and giving you input. You got to make your own best decision about where you get and do all of this. Um, what the advice that, that we'll, give it's just from talking to people and what they've said whether it be good bad or ugly and i'm here to share that because i've had a lot of experience with all the things that we'll talk about and like when it comes to angel investors like if you had to give one one slice of advice with that i mean what what have you seen or heard that makes sense
1: um i think you know it's an opportunity to make a uh, connections with people that obviously have seen success, otherwise they wouldn't have that capital to invest. Uh, And so there's a great learning opportunity from them. Uh, And it's, it's the kind of first step in your fundraising journey. um, If you're looking to raise funds in another capacity in the future. So it's just a great way to begin uh, capitalizing your business.
0: When I think about angel investors, that could, I mean, that means so many different things. Because for me, inherently, an angel investor is like friends or family or people that like, if and I've referred to these before as your evangelists. These are the people that like, really, that really speak your praises and say great stuff about you and they have a strong belief in you and what you do. Um, When it comes to angel investors, there's also... Uh, groups of them. Like we have them here in Kansas City. There's one called Mid-America Angels, which is a collective group of people that all have an interest in investing in different businesses. The organization that they're a part of, uh, it vets and looks through the businesses to try to put the most interesting and engaging offers in front of those people that want to write checks. Now, when it comes to angel investors, and I mentioned, I gave a disclaimer there. Because you have to, because in order to really be a true investor in a lot of the stuff, you're supposed to be what's called accredited. And, you know, because I don't know when you're listening to this. I want you to Google accredited investors. But at the time, it's that's basically a high net worth individual. It's someone that's made, uh, I believe it's $200,000 a year for the last several years, and maybe has $1 million or more in assets that don't include the value of their home and that's that that in terms of the government and why they put that standard i think they assume a that those people can can maybe afford to lose a couple bucks on a small scale investment and maybe that they're sophisticated enough with their cash and their understanding to make investments and and not they have a less likely they're less likely to be defrauded in many regards but overall when it comes to angel investors And the advice, well, go look for them. Go ask, go talk to people. And and you got to ask. You just got to ask. And that's the thing. You got to ask, ask, ask. Overall, if you don't ask and you don't seek opportunity, it's probably not going to just show up and be like, hey, man, I heard you're a pretty smart guy, Ryan. Do you want, can I give you some money to start a business? That's not how it goes. Um, Still have to talk to a lot of people. Yeah. And so overall, with that advice, it's still the same with everything else. Have your plan, have your vision ready. And uh, one thing I think is important with angels is also be prepared to tell them, how are you getting your money back? Not just like, hey, you're going to own a percent of this. Okay, well, I want to know how I'm going to get my money back. You know, you talk about interesting angel investment. A few years ago, I made an angel investment in a company that moves fitness equipment. And it was like the biggest surefire bet that I'd ever seen. They had a multi-year built-in contract to deliver millions of dollars worth of fitness equipment. And they just, the guy just needed the resources. He needed to buy a truck, needed a warehouse, needed a few different things and really just needed, he needed me to be an active angel. He needed me to use my experience to help him set up a business and make some good decisions and whatever. And I put money into that and I did so well on it. I actually sold him back his ownership because he deserved it. And I felt great about it. And that was a great little angel play. You know, it was, and that was like one of those things you're not going to read about it on Crunchbase. PitchBook isn't going to email you and say, DeCourcy invests in fitness delivery company. No, these angel deals occur in the background and on the sidelines. And they are pivotal in so, the way so many businesses get started and grow. All right, now, Ryan, we are finally to your league, baby. Venture Capital. Now, I think venture capital is greatly misunderstood. You know, it's, some see it as good. Some see it as bad. I think it's necessary and awesome. Because, uh, but, but when you think about VC, well, I'm going to give you the mic, man. What do you have to say about VC and all of it?
1: Um, yeah, VC is uh, an incredible catalyst to help push your company to high levels of growth and and expand a business. Um, So when I think of VC, I'm thinking of high growth companies that intend on multiple rounds of fundraising with a targeted type of exit. Um, And, and, you know, even if you're, if you're aspirational to be part of a VC model, um, you you think about the whole ecosystem of fundraising, um, you know, those angels are very important. They're going to help you vet out your, your product and get that product market fit figured out. Um, And then, You know, as you've got a little bit more traction on your idea or you've got something a little bit more clearly formed um, and you feel like you can really pour some gas on this fire, uh, then then you might look to bring in some venture capital dollars to really help accelerate that business growth.
0: Yeah, and I want to I want to spend a little a little extra time around this line item on our list, because this is where the largest portion of dollars exist. Um, I mean, overall, like when it comes to this kind of fundraising, because these are funds that, well, they have a lot of money in them and they make big investments they make big bets. Sometimes they're risky. When it comes to venture capital, like I think about an institution or a fund, basically a collection of money that exists to make more money. It's pure capitalism. Uh, it's also pure risk in a, in a lot of regards. Like, and, and for those of you listening, there are so many episodes in our catalog about venture capital and you get a lot of input from a lot of different people. We've had a lot of people from VCs, a lot of companies that ha- a lot of companies that have raised money from venture capital. But if I w- kind of want to get into and I said we, we might have to sit here for a few minutes because there is definitely a lot of advice. And these are just like, let's start with like the most basic stuff of like maybe getting yourself in front of the right kind of venture capital.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, if we're looking at this from the lens of the person fundraising, um, one of the things that I see commonly done with businesses is there's some really great venture capital names out there and they've obviously earned that reputation. Um, And you hear these kind of, you know, gold star names, and you say, well, that's who I want to raise money from then, right? Um, And maybe you haven't thought about, you know, who's an expert in my space, who's focused on my life stage. Um, And when you talk about there's a ton of VC money out there, that's because there's a ton of VCs, they're specialists. Uh, And when you're looking at taking on, you know, very, very high risk businesses, they need to be incredibly smart about those spaces and, and, and well versed. And so um, they're going to be able to do deep dives into to different type of industry. Uh, and so if you're a fundraiser, you don't, you know, if you've got a really great hardware and you've, you're, you're diving into robotics, you might not want to talk to somebody um, who's really focused on software as a service. You want the expertise of somebody who knows robotics. And, and so making sure that you're aligning yourself with the, the right parties uh, out the onset is one going to probably help you and your business grow the best. Um, and two, it's going to save you from, you know, trying to get meetings with the wrong folks uh, and, and wasting some of your time. So what
0: you're saying is all VCs aren't the same. It's not just blind wild card
1: money that just goes in a, a million different places. Um contrary to some, some folks' opinions, yes, correct. Uh all VCs are not the same. Uh and, and I think finding the right partner uh in your space is, is key to, to kind of building out your process for fundraising.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I uh, I recently recorded an episode uh, with a, a friend of mine and someone who just really knows startups and, and a bunch of space, uh, all the different spaces, a guy named Ron Shigeta. And he was talking about he's. He's my age, maybe even a little older. Ron, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call you out on your age, but you know, he was saying, yeah, he's out in the valley, and he's saying, I remember when there was about thirty different VCs, and I think it was you and I that talked about in a different episode that there might be about five, maybe it was us, I don't know. I've talked about this a lot recently, but um, you know, five thousand plus funds that classify as some form of venture capital, and. Now that's good for startup
1: founders, though. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a sign of the times, right? There's been a lot of success in venture capital. There's been a lot of success in those type of business models that we see, um, you know, needing potentially a lower cost of capital. So there's more business creation, um, and, and there's more opportunity to deploy funds in an alternative asset class like VC uh, and, and see a great return. And so, just generally in that space, it's a great place to be, and that means. Um, you know, it's a good, it's a pro and a con for, for startups, right? There's, there's maybe more noise for you to sift through, but there's also more opportunities for you to get the dollars that you need to fund your business.
0: Yeah. And from an advice perspective, you know, we were just talking about getting yourself in front of the right kind of funds. So let's, let's give some advice there, you know, knowing that there are so many funds and so many uh, entities that could write you a check. Some of them focus on the stage of a business. Some of them focus on the industry of the business. Some of them focus on matching other investments. And so the thing is, 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 and that to, to reduce that, that, uh, that paralytic feeling of, of, you know, like, where do I start? Well, that I, first off, if you are, like you mentioned, if you're a robotics company, and you are trying for uh, money from, you know, a a fund that invests in franchises, they're not going to give it to you. And and, and it's not because they, it's not because there's a problem with your business. It's that these funds have a charter, and they say that they're out there raising money from other people to do a specific thing with it. And often if your thing doesn't fit in that box, not happening. So Ryan, how do you, how do you begin to, to sift through all this?
1: Yeah, I think it it starts and I know I'm repeating myself a little bit here, but really knowing what your mission is, are you, you know, Define your, your, your space and your age and how much money you're trying to raise. Right. So once you've got that exactly figured out and you know, what you're trying to do, then you start to say, okay, who are businesses that we think might be in this a way to do that is, you know, just general, you know, internet research is nice. Look at your peers or businesses that you would look as comps and understand who's investing in those spaces. Um, you know, we talk about it being like a sales process where you're going to identify a bunch of leads and then you're going to figure out, okay, who do I have, you know, access to these leads via warm intro uh, and who am I going to be kind of doing a cold call towards uh, and where am I going to spend my most time? Uh, And and so bifurcating that kind of process like you would your sales campaign um, and, and then stacking who you can get in front of the quickest. I think to your point when you're talking about reasons that a VC might say no, um, it's more than just life stage, um, or even industry specific reasons. Um, look at their portfolios when you're, when you're doing your, your homework, if they have a company that's exactly like yours in their portfolio, odds are they're not going to double down on that. Um, they're looking for winners in the space. Uh, they're looking for outsized return. That's the nature of their business. And so they're probably not going to be concentrated with business models that are you know, reminiscent of one another.
0: So still, when it comes to advice, you know, now you're ready to you've uh, you've narrowed this down and, you know, you need to be able to present. You need to have your materials ready. I mean, this is pretty fundamental, people. And we're not going to sit here for too long, but You know, I'll tell you what, no one wants to see your 60 page business plan for the first for the first presentation, like a one pager. And I've actually been advising people uh, for probably a year and a half now, like consider making a pitch video. Why? Because it's different. And you can squeeze a lot of info visually and verbally into two minutes and stand out because the reality is, is you're amongst a stack of many. It, all, the, all, the, all the venture capital funds and investors that we have talked to talk about looking at 100 to 150 deals to maybe offer one term sheet. And so how are you going to stand out? You know how are you, what are you going to do that's different? Well, a different approach to your presentation isn't the worst place to start. Make it easy for people to want to help you to want to invest in you, make it easy for them to understand what it is and what you do. I see founders, I get a lot of people, hey, will you look at my pitch deck? Sure. And I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, now I'm paralyzed. I'm paralyzed <laughs> with the amount of information that you are trying to give me in this very short amount of time. And you know, a confused mind almost always says no. And from an advice perspective, simplify it. And if you are someone that it, that has industry expertise, if you have done it before, that should be the focal point of your first present, of your, your basic one pager. Because one thing that is still unanimous and 100% approval rating on this show is that all of, we ask them all, Ryan, what do you bet on, the jockey or the horse? You got to pick one. You can't pick both. And the jockey is 100% vote because people want to invest in winners. These winners find ways to win. And the more proven they are, the more reliable that bet is. And they're also likely to attract more support from other people.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that, I think. It's important to keep in mind, particularly in the early stages of meeting a venture capital firm or an institutional investor, or probably even an angel, um, you're not trying to close a deal the moment you meet them. You're trying to get the next meeting. And so what you're doing is giving them enough information that they're willing to dive a little deeper, turn over another card and learn more about the business, trying to have them synthesize your entire business model up front is going to be very very difficult and probably result in a little bit of heartbreak.
0: I want to see your one pager. That's the only thing I want to see on first contact. And you know, Ryan's right. You don't win, you don't win the deal on the first email. It, you, no one does. It's not the way it goes. You're trying to move to the next stage, the next step. So if you if if the one pager is just not enough for you then an executive summary at best. And that's what people want to see. No one's going to look at your 60 page business plan on the first contact. Like they don't. And by the way, that plan's wrong. It is your business plan's wrong. You got to accept that. It's about, so be ready to explain how you're going to adjust to the changes and how you're going to, I mean, all of it. Cause, Mm -hmm. and really the one thing that that I've learned is that your business plan is actually wrong because no one can tell the future. Now, Before we talk about other advice and input for fundraising, a quick reminder that this episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. That's where Ryan works. SVB.com. Yeah, so they've been supporting founders and companies and and investors with targeted financial services and expertise for over 35 years. And I'll tell you what, being someone that's older than 35, uh, the landscape has changed both in venture capital and tech and all of it um uh, dramatically I mean dramatically I'm so fascinated with it I love watching documentaries and shows about the formative nature of when Silicon Valley was just an empty valley uh now it's one of the most expensive places to to operate to live and to procure talent so I think one of the things that, That the pandemic has really kind of thrown things, flipped things upside down. Is well, there's a lot of money flowing out of the valley now, and a lot of money that wants to go to places that could be affordable, value seeking, looking for places. I don't know, there's a lot of space outside of New York, San Francisco, and you know, those, especially there. Uh, So if I, uh, my advice for fundraising is highlight that, highlight that, where are you at? So, you know, I'm in Kansas city right now, the 25th biggest media market in the country. Like I'm not trying to sell this as Hollywood, but there's a lot of benefits to that. It's affordable. I have less competition here. I have an ability to, to thrive, survive and be alive. I just made that up for you, Ryan. So It wasn't quite Muhammad Ali worthy, but it's true though. So, you know, so what are, from, from a advice perspective, like what are the real core attributes of why your business is what it is? Like, I
1: mean, do you have any comments on all that? Well, I think, you know, it's worth doubling down on making, you know, a statement around the fact that the pandemic has accelerated access for businesses to get in front of um, fundraisers. And it's because, or excuse me, investment firms during their fundraise. It's a function of you do not have to be in the room with somebody, and that's becoming more and more of the norm with the advent of Zoom and you know conference calls and, and these types of ways of presenting your business. Um, and that really has made it, you know, an advantage for places like the Kansas cities of the world. You know, I'm in Denver, um, in, in some of these places where it would have been a plane ride and you know a night stay at the Westin or whatever. Uh, to get in front of a company and now it's clicking into a Zoom meeting uh, and getting just so many more eyes on your product. Uh, I I also think it's really worth noting um, the fact that, hey, we can scale a business quicker because it doesn't cost, um, you know, 300K per engineer out here. Um, So we have the ability to build an infrastructure that's ultimately going to probably have a little bit more efficiency in it. Um, And then, you know, another thing that I think is an advantage for businesses raising money right now that maybe aren't from some of these more traditionally um, large uh, fundraising or investment markets is the fact that those markets are really, really, really competitive from a pricing perspective. And VCs also want a good deal. So if they don't have to get into a knife fight over the valuation of a business, they can find potentially a better deal on some type of company that, that does something similar in a different area. And so unlocking that type of value in a, a market that they were otherwise unfamiliar with uh, is, is becoming the new norm.
0: And if you're paying $300,000 an engineer, please look me up at fullscale.io. I'll help you fix that. But, but it's true. I mean, it's true. And that's, that's uh, the, the um, depending on where you're at, the competition for, quote, talent uh, is, a real, is a real deal now. You know, if you're well funded and you're venture backed and you're in a market like Kansas City, you can get great. Yeah, you really can. You can you can you can drink off the top shelf and that and that's hard to do in San Francisco and other places where that competition is really robust. Because, go- hey, Google's got a big bank, man. You got a big bank account. Hopefully they're at your bank. But maybe for knowing them, they probably started their own bank. But, you know, that's the thing is if that's who you're competing with and then in, in, in mass, that's a challenge. I mean, it really is. And I have I, always found that to be a little intimidating. And every time I talk to anybody you know from New York or San Francisco, they are just so fascinated with how cheap it is to operate in my hometown. They're like, wait, you pay how much for rent? And like, I would get a closet for that. I'm like, hey, you know, so keep in mind, you know, that there's a lot of different places and ways to do business and the world of technologies help with that. Okay, so that was VC. Now, one of the things that has a lot of uh, when it comes to fundraising, has a lot of different flavors now is crowdfunding and crowdfunding. as many people know, it is things like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, Circle Up, Rocket Hub, you know, just things like that. Uh, these are good for certain types of businesses or they were for the longest time. And now we're seeing like crowd angel platforms come around and um, you know, that's, that's an interesting way to do it. I mean, it's uh, I mean, I think if you're, if, if you're out there and you're trying to get funded, I mean, you need to look at and consider any and all available options uh, have you noticed a significant change in that, or especially over the last two or three years?
1: Yeah, the last couple of years, the frequency of going the the crowdfunding uh, path has has definitely increased, and I think that's, you know, goes hand in hand with the fact that you just named four or five different institutions, uh, not all of it, not all of which were here, you know, three or four or five years ago. Um, And so, you know, something that we talked about in a different episode is just the advent of financial technologies and access to funds and access to capital. And I think, um, you know, this is riding that wave as well. Uh, We've got more platforms for people to be able to sell a business on. And there's also more platforms for people to be able to invest in a business. And it's just a great, great kind of crossing of those two needs in the market.
0: And the more and once again, the more options, the better. And I think some of some of the result uh, or some changing regulation or ability to, you know, force startups to actually put themselves in front of platforms that allow the trading uh, or purchase of these things. You know, it's like usually when you have startup X and you think, hey, I want to put five grand into that. If you call them and ask them that you well, 10 years ago. Depending on the size of the investment you wanted to make in a company, it, I mean, if the smaller it was, the more likely the legal fees would be bigger than the investment you wanted to make. And that, and that wasn't, well, that doesn't really scream value. So, you know, when it comes to crowdfunding, there are a lot of different platforms. I just Google crowdfunding. Uh, when it comes to advice on that, the one thing I've learned, especially with, with, with like well with crowdfunding stuff is you need to be you need to be prepared and ready to promote your offering you don't just put it on kickstarter indiegogo and it just takes care of itself it's not like field of dreams you don't just build it and then people come um so i mean when it kind mean, of do you have any crowdfunding advice
1: um i think you know w- we are more focused towards the the vc side of the house um so i'm not going to claim to be an expert here but it's it's just like if you were doing any type of fundraising your job and your role in that process is to create the energy around whatever product or service you're selling and so um whether it be raising capital from friends and family they've got to be interested although they may love you so that's a nice advantage to have um or institutions or getting your name out on some type of platform Um, you need to create that kind of frenetic energy that's going to have people wanting to be a part of that business.
0: Yeah. And those platforms, like I said, they're, they're a mechanism, but you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of options and opportunities within them. And so that's, that's my point is you have to, you are likely going to have to promote now, uh, some of those platforms as you, well, they're algorithmic. I mean, they're going to show people what's trending as far as investment or, or buy-in or any of that goes, but crowdfunding in the end is exactly what it sounds like. It's a crowd of people that are able to fund things on a very micro basis. Um, and honestly, sometimes that goes well for the buyers and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, there are, you're taking a risk with that. Um, and once again, you're taking a risk with any of this stuff if you're an investor. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why you should talk to licensed professionals before you do anything. Once again, we're just sharing our opinions. Okay. So I wanna I wanna come, I wanna get to the, the end of this episode by talking about alternate fundraising. Mm-hmm. And you know, there is so much money out there that uh, I mean, grants, programs. Organizations like all kinds of stuff that has been created either by individual investors, cities, governments. Like, uh, for example, the the EDCKC. Say that five times in a row, real fast, Ryan, and I'll give you a prize. Uh, but that's the Economic Development Corporation of Kansas City. And also, if you say that five times really fast, I'll give you a prize. But that that's also known as Launch KC is an organization here locally that exists to try to pair top like corporate corporate investors and in, in that want to invest in groups of industry specific startups. And, uh, you know, one of those is actually we recently did InsureTech and my company is the official development partner of EDC, Casey. So we gave some free services to all of the members that were in that, one of which is the Glovebox app from Denver, um, Ryan Matheson. What's up, Ryan? Uh, but and he's been on the show before. But these kind of things, uh, you know, that while that's not a grant, uh, it is an alternate approach that aligns people, it aligns businesses with very, very interesting Corporate partners and investors that can change their sales process in a hurry just by being a client or customer. Uh, There's also all kinds of grants and funds, and you see a lot of companies out there. They're handing out money, some of which is non-dilutive capital. And uh, on top of that, to kind of put the end of it, it, if you do succeed in some of the uh, some of the venture funding. There's a whole lot. A lot of these funds and organization and pools of cash exist just to double you up. Like once that money comes in, hey, we'll give you some more. So what? What are what are some stuff? What are what are things being
1: just read nationally that fit through that whole? Yeah, I mean, I think nationally, we're seeing success in the, the startup world, the technology world, it's never been cheaper to start a business. Um, and that's ultimately healthy for the economy. And that's why you're seeing, um, you know, EDC, KC, I think that's one prize. Um, you know, want <laughs> to invest? yeah, once. You gotta do it
0: five times. It's five times in a row. Okay. You can't just do it once.
1: All right, we'll, we'll try it out there. Um, <laughs> but they want to invest in these type of businesses because it's good for the overall economy. And so if you can find those non-dilutive funds um, and it's, it's in line with what you're trying to do, that's fantastic. And there's more and more efforts to deploy capital in that way. Um, another thing that I don't think we mentioned that's becoming more and more popular and it's becoming a, a true kind of force in, in the funding environment is the, the family office um, where you have, somebody who has a lot of capital to potentially deploy, um, that might not fall under, you know, the same guidelines as an institution. Um, but still is a great way for you to be able to, um, you know, capitalize a business potentially with different terms and just bring in a different party to that conversation. So another stone that's worth turning over. Uh, and, and it's something that certainly in my world, we've seen a, a lot more frequency of investment from, um, and then, you know, Corporations always got to have their hands in a little bit of everything you talked about. Um, you know, there's, there's corporate venture funds. There's also different initiatives uh, through things like, you know, rise KC. I know that there's a, a TechStars stars KC. Um, and so there are these different businesses that are going to invest in kind of the innovation economy. Uh, and, you know, even to your point, insure tech funds that are specifically sponsored by uh, uh, corporations, depending on the business you're in, um, you know, we work with Techstars a lot and, and there's dozens and dozens of different industry specific funds um, where, where you can go pitch a product, um, become a part of uh, one one of these organizations and, and get a little money to capitalize your business and get things rolling. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. Uh, really what it's going to be coming down to is what, what's your goal? How much money do you need? And kind of what's the next step for you to identify which path you're going to go down?
0: I'm really glad you brought up the family office because we should have probably had a line item about that. And I think a lot of people don't even know what that is. And that, I mean, in many ways, the family office is like the mega angel, you know, like you can, I mean, these are the, when you say a family office, that's usually a family or often a group of families that for some reason often have generational wealth that they invest in different things. And uh, they aren't, usually held to a charter, meaning like they don't usually have, they're not like, Hey, we can only do this. They're looking for specific opportunities. Often now, now with why they may not be charter bound, they are, I find that family offices are often investing into things that they already understand and know, like maybe more like specifics or specifically around whatever created all the money that's in, in that they're investing. So, but that could be maybe that maybe the family did well in healthcare and they understand the space, but that's a, a really powerful partner and um, can have, you know, so th- here's the, when it comes to advice on finding them, I'm going to just say good luck because they're hard to find. Like, I mean, and I, I was having this discussion and, and so look, we've mentioned the term Kansas city. That's just because that's where I'm from, right? This kind this exists everywhere. Like wherever you're at, all the stuff we've talked about, it's probably in your hometown. And you just have to go out and look for it and find it. Now, I was having a discussion the other day that I, I was saying that, that easily more money is invested in, in, in startups from family offices locally than from publicly known funds. A, the family offices, well, they usually have, their it's big bank. I mean, they have usually how they didn't form the family office because they were broke. And then you just don't hear about it. I mean, a lot of these are sideline deals. They don't make the same kind. They don't circle the startup community in the same way, but they're occurring and they're happening. And a lot, those same family offices also fund a lot of local funds. Now, you mentioned uh, KC, the Casey Rise Fund. That's a great example because that fund does not they make map per, they make semi-proportional matching investments to venture funded deals. And there's even another local one here that specifically focuses on being like, if it's a $20 million round, they specifically want to be in the last 10% of closing the round. It's just like a different and interesting approach. but And this money, it's out there. I, I think as we come to a conclusion on this episode that was, brought to us by SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, which is where you're going to go put all this money. I'll just say that. That's that's where you're going to take all this money you raise and you're going to go open an account at SVB. Ryan's going to give you a little a little bank book where, with a handwritten ledger in it where you can keep track of That's how that
1: works, right? Uh, hopefully you can use the app.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. But no, it's, uh, you know, you got it. But I, I, I think is I mean, really, as we kind of wrap this up, like in overall advice for fundraising or input based on our experience and who we talk to and what we've seen, like, I mean, do you have like a, what what's your one-liner
1: or three-liner, whatever you got? Uh, I think it's important that you define what you want to do prior to chasing a certain type of asset uh, category on your fundraising. So you don't need to necessarily go do BC because that's flashy. Um, and, you know, once you have an idea of what you to do, then it's understanding who the parties that you're adjacent to that are going to be helpful in that process. Um, so fundraising, there's a lot of money out there. There's usually somebody who specializes in exactly what you're doing. And it's a process of getting in front of that person or those people.
0: I think overall, when it comes to fundraising, um, it's kind of like marketing. The more eyes you get on your product, the more likely you're, you are to sell said product. And then you need to also focus on getting the right eyes on it. Now, one of the things that we talked about was there's, you know, may, if there's 5,000 VCs or funds that are out there, man, I love those numbers. Like, so, uh, you know, the biggest mistake that I hear that I run into when I talk to founders, they're like, Oh, I'm having a hard time getting funded. And I always ask "I'm like, how many, how many conversations have you had? And they're like, man, I've had 10. I'm like, you got about 90 to go, dude. You know? And that's the thing is, is ju- you might've picked the wrong ten, and it, it is a numbers game and you have to be relentless. You have to be tenacious and you have to just like, you can't give up, you know, like 10 conversations isn't enough. Three certainly isn't. And, You know, the money can be invested and transferred and sent from anywhere. You know, it doesn't have to be just local. Um, In fact, your local economy would love to see you bring in millions of dollars from somewhere else, right? I mean, they really would. And that's why there are organizations and publications that celebrate that in, in your locale. So, and then overall, if, if, while you're having these conversations, keep it simple, keep it straightforward and make it easy for people to have the conversation with you. The easier, you know, here's a life hack from Matt DeCourcy. If you want help from people, make it easy for people to help you. It's that simple, you know, like express a willingness to work with the people that you want huge checks from. And, you know, because if you find the right investors and the right partners and the right people, they're gonna. I mean, look, they're not putting that huge check into your bank account at SVB because they want you to fail. I mean, so if you you can get this like really like double, triple, quadruple tap of benefits uh, by them aligning you with partners, helping accelerate your timeline, giving you advice, giving you money, giving you all of that, and those are the things you wanted right? That's why you're out fundraising. And I think the final advice is that fundraising comes in many shapes and forms. So like, for example, FullScale's made $1.5 million worth of investments. And I didn't write a single check for that, Ryan. We don't write checks, we write code. Because uh, we usually have the manpower available, to assist with that, to help you build a minimally viable product in some cases. So if you were out there raising money to just in turn pay for that, maybe cut a step out of the process. You never know. But all I know is the people that get funded and do the best with all of this are creative, tenacious, and I mean, they get up off the mat. They don't let the word no. I mean, they, they're willing to embrace hundreds of no's It's just like anything else you're experimenting with or you're failing fast. Once again, a big thanks to Silicon Valley Bank. Go to svb.com. While you're on the internet, come check out Startup Hustle TV and view our new web series, which gives you the real life perspective of entrepreneurs through the lens of the entrepreneur. We'll tell you, don't watch it with your kids unless your kids are ready for a healthy dose of what business reality is like, meaning sometimes we say words with F. Um, but that happens. And that's going to come with being a startup entrepreneur. So anyway, any other any, would you like to say anything else on the
1: way out, Ryan? Uh, no, uh, thanks for having me on. Good luck to everybody out there fundraising. And if you have any questions, i more than happy to be a resource at svb.com.
0: Yeah, and there really are a lot of uh, interesting resources and stuff there. Uh, so check it out. I'll see you next time. Startup hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.